real quick before I jump into my message, I just want to uh, give you an update as far as uh, we talked last week about helping out with Florida. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, I was a pastor there for eight and a half years, so it's very dear to our hearts to be able to help. It's really, really bad. And so uh, we've continued to raise funds as well as more opportunities. So here's what we're going to ask so I don't go into this, these constant things every single week. Uh, please just go uh, either to the Connection Center, there's some information there, or to our website where that information will be updated of ways you can give, ways you can serve, uh, teams that will end up going down and so forth. So anyway, I want you to be aware of that. Hey, if, if you joined us last week, we started this series called The Death of Religion. And here's and, and again, it's in your notes. So if you didn't get your notes, I would encourage you to go back and get those and tuning in online. Make sure you uh, grab those as well. But religion, I said last week, is my attempt to earn my way or to work my way into a relationship with God. Again, religion is my attempt to earn or to work my way into a relationship with God. So we try to do the right things. We, we try to check all the boxes. We want to make sure we keep all the rules as if it earns us favor or good standing with God. As if God is up there and go, wow. Did you see what they just did? They did gold star. As if that's really happening, right? Because many of us think that God is up there judging us based on our ability to do it all right perfectly. In other words, we have this tendency to think that God's relationship with us is very performance-oriented. And because it's often our experience with one another, it's often our experience in the workplace, so then we impose that on our relationship with God and that God is judging you based upon your ability to do it all right. And so the reality is, since you will never, and I will never do it perfectly, we often feel condemned by God. We feel that God is often then very disappointed with us. And again, if things go well if that day, we think God's happy with us. But if things don't go well, then we think that God is upset or frustrated with us. See, some of you last week were really frustrated with me because... You know, you, 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 you would consider yourself somebody that, that does a really good job of keeping the rules. Like you're a rule file. Like you, you do a good job of making sure. I mean, you, you know you're not perfect, but you really do a good job of keeping it, you know, doing the right things and all that kind of stuff. So for me to challenge that your behavior, that your good behavior doesn't gain you approval with God was real frustrating for you, if you're just being honest. And there are others of you that struggle because you don't, you, you know, you don't, you don't want to see, nobody wants to see themselves as religious per se. They don't want to see themselves as judgmental of others. But your concern last week was you're going, Bob, I mean, I, I just really feel like you, you were giving people license to go sin. Like, like you know, I... I'm, I'm, I know that Jesus said, you know, what he did for me, and, I, and again, I know I don't deserve it, and it's by grace through faith that we, that, we, that we trust him for our salvation, but come on, man, like if you don't live it, like where's that part? And I just wonder if you're not living it, are you really even saved? I mean, come on, scripture says that a tree will be known by its fruit. So where's the fruit? So if you found yourself last week frustrated or had some concerns or possibly even angry with me, good. 
because it means you're listening. <laughs> and there are others of you, I'm just telling I know this, there are others of you going, Bob, I'm so confused right now because I have no clue how you could be upset with the message from last week. Because I'm just going to tell you, religion is what kept me away. The very thing called religion is the very thing that kept me away from God. I mean, how in the world could you be frustrated and upset with the fact that we can't earn our way to a relationship with God? God saves us, and out of that relationship, then no longer condemns us, and then gives us his spirit to set us free, and I don't need to keep walking in legalism. I don't have to keep looking to judge others to make me even feel better about myself like he set me free. Like, what part do you not understand about that? See, that would be for some of you. And so my hope as we go through this series, whether you're frustrated or angry or not, is that you will come each and every week. And here's what I want. I want you to just press in. I want you to press in, and I want you to just, just ask the Lord to show you through Scripture what is it that he wants you to walk away with. Like, like, don't allow what a preacher or a priest or a book or whatever to form your belief system because what we'll do is we'll, we'll, we'll take a belief system and impose it on the Scripture and then we'll pull passages of Scripture out of context of what it was actually saying and we'll create, we'll create a whole system versus what does Scripture have to say? That then is going to be my value system, that then is going to be my belief system. And so as I look at the whole of Scripture, you're going to say to the Lord, Lord, maybe, I've, maybe I need to reconsider some ways or some thoughts that I was taught or understood. And maybe nobody ever taught you anything about it. So you're, you're just not even sure. You've just heard other people talk about it. And so my hope is that you'll press in. It'll set you free. Hey, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Romans chapter 8. We're going to jump in, and if you're a guest, I just want you to know, uh, welcome here. We are super glad that you're here and glad that you uh, chose to spend a little bit of time with us this morning. If you're tuning in online, uh, thank you so much for joining. I, I don't know if you guys realize this, but we usually have somewhere between 500 and 600 uh, people viewing, at least TVs that are on with it on, however many people that means, who knows. But hey, we're incredibly grateful that you are here and tuned in because I'm excited about what we're going to be covering this morning. Romans chapter 8, I'm going to give you a little recap. So let's start in verse 1 of where we started last week. He says, therefore, chapter 8, verse 1, it says, therefore, there is now no condemnation. And again, Please, if you weren't here last week, go back and listen or watch it because it'll help give you some context for words. But there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This part is critical. The Apostle Paul is trying to help us understand that once you become a follower of Jesus... You do not become a Christian by attending church. You don't become a Christian by being baptized. You don't become a Christian because you grew up in a Christian home. You become a follower of Jesus, a Christian, a disciple of Christ. When you realize your sins separated you from God, you needed, desperately needed Jesus to do it for you because you'd never be able to do it to reconcile you back. And so you asked Jesus to come in your life and save you. It wasn't Jesus plus. It wasn't your good works plus Jesus. It's Jesus only. And so when he says this, he's saying, for those who are in Christ Jesus, you're no longer condemnable. You say, well, why? How does that work? goes on verse 2. Because through Christ Jesus... 
The law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. And again, I went into detail of, of these two approaches, the law of sin and death and the law of spirit of life and how both are in operation, but one overrides the other. Because here's the deal. We are all born in the sin of the, of the law of sin and death, right? Because we're all sinners. Every single, if we, there's a lot of diversity here. There's all kinds of differences that we have, background, family of origin, like, like all kinds of differences. But the one thing, and there's probably others, but the one thing that we all have in common, every single one of us, we're a bunch of sinners, right? So welcome. <laughs> welcome to a room full of sinners, right? Like that's, that's what we were born into. So because we're sinners, we're born into the law of sin and death. It's a cause and effect relationship. I sin, there's death. There's just, this is what it was set up. So guess what? There is physical death. There's relational death. There's emotional death. There's financial death. We were all born into this system. But because, but when we became Jesus followers, we were then transferred into a new operating system, if you will, called the spirit of life, which we only got to receive and experience because of Jesus. Now, don't miss this. This new system of the spirit of life is not just a better revised old system. Like, it's not taking the old system and just making it better. That's not what this is. This is not an update to your operating system like your iPhones. This is, Jesus brought a new system. He brought the freedom from the old system so that we could experience this new system called the spirit of life. Let me give you, let me help you understand. The old system, you need to write this down. The old system is all about performance. It's built on performance. Whereas the new system, the spirit of life, is built on relationship with Jesus. The old system's built on performance. The new system's built on relationship. And this is where I really want to dive into this morning because we have a tendency to only see the new system, like the spirit, like we only tend to see that as a way in which we are saved, but not as the same way to live Monday through Saturday. So we can see it like, oh, yes, we desperately need Jesus to be saved, but then we revert back to the old system. See, many of us, you know, we, we can come to the conclusion that we need, and there's some of you that I know that are, are not followers of Jesus. You're still checking it out, and I just want you to know, I'm so glad that you're here, and I hope that you'll continue to come back and just ask all kinds of questions. Because what Jesus came to set you free is what he came to set me free. And so for those of us who have, who have recognized that the gift of Jesus was really that, just that, a gift to take away our sins. And so when we receive that, it's like awesome, but then we revert back to the old system trying to earn favor with God throughout the week. And the Apostle Paul, if he was sitting down with you, might ask you, why are you doing that? Like, think about it. You knew you needed Jesus to save you. Why don't you think you need Jesus that much to walk through Monday through Saturday? 
Why are you going back to the old system of performance? If Jesus saved you because you couldn't do it, and then he gave you his spirit to set you free from the law of sin and death, why in the world would you go back to a system that only leads to death? He freed you from it. So he's saying, like, like why would we do that? And again, the tendency is to think that I, I just needed Jesus for salvation to go to heaven. But see, here, here, here's, here's what's going to happen if you're not careful. Let's just say uh, as an adult, you're not a believer, but you, you have this system of knowing right from wrong. Like you, like you get it. Like you, you just have this natural thing inside of you that you just kind of tend to know right from wrong and it didn't come from church or Christian parents. You just have this, this thing and you're just naturally nice to people. You never, you've never killed anybody. Thank you for not doing that. And, and again, like there's just this natural thing that you have of just being, you're, you're just a good person. And then somebody invites you. Somebody invited you, let's say last week, to side life. And you came and, and, and you were listening and, and for the first time maybe you realized like all my goodness, like all the good things that I try to do like before God even though I haven't recognized him as God, but all these nice things and all these good things that, I, that I've done don't count, like don't give me credit like before God like, like I stand separated from him and, and I've got to be perfect and since I can't be perfect to pay for the sins that separated me from God the only way is God loving me by sending his son like you get you got that you chose last well let's just say, even say you chose in that moment to say I'm choosing to receive the gift I'm putting my trust in you Jesus like and 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 you do that and then the tendency is to go right back to just being a good person again. Because you were never discipled, or you were never taught anything differently. So you just go back to what you knew. Like, I'm just, yes, I need you, Jesus, so I don't end up in hell, that I end up in heaven, and now I'm going to go through my week just doing what seemed to work before. I'm going to be good, and I'm going to be nice to people and not kill anybody. And then all of a sudden, now that you're a Christian, you realize, oh, my heavens, there's a ton of rules in here, because that's what we think the Bible is. It's just all about rules, right? So, so not only did I have my list of rules, but now all these other Christian church people, like, they add to the rules. And they say, you know, you need to read your Bible all the time, and, and you need to serve in a ministry, and, and, and you need to tie 10%, and you need to, like, you need to, and you need to, and you need to. And, you, and the natural thing is for us to just constantly think that I need to live within this system. I need to continue to strive. And, and, and here's what we do. We take the old system and we dress it up with a lot of religiosity. And we think, and again, because you're well-meaning and because you want to be a good Christian, we don't even realize what we're doing. But here's, what you, here, here's where you'll know. But as soon as you mess up and as soon as you sin, as soon as you blow it, you revert back. I'm going to be more committed for you, God. I'm so sorry. I'm going to be more dedicated. I'm going to, 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 in order to earn the loyalty or favor of God. It's the old system. Do you know how you can tell if this is happening to you or not? 
And you might not be able to figure it out, but you can always ask your spouse or uh, somebody close to you. There, there will be a side of you that is judgmental towards others. There will be a side to you where, where, where you just continue to judge others because not only do you feel strongly about being a good Christian, you feel strongly that they should be a good Christian. And, 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 and again, you'll, you'll tell them, hey, you need to do what's right, and you'll help them understand what's right because what's right is what you do. And what's not right is what you don't do. So make sure you just do what I do. And you know what? You don't even need to wait for the Holy Spirit to convict you because I'm happy to do that on my own. Like, I'll tell you. And if you're not like, ah, I don't think that, ask some of your friends because they're like, oh, yeah, you do that all the time. Right? You revert back to the old system. See, if you're, if you're on a Christian, I want you to listen to me. Why do you think Lost, spiritually lost, broken, and hurt people were so drawn to Jesus. Just want you to think about it for a minute. Why was spiritually lost, broken, hurting, discarded, the outcasts of society, why were they so drawn to Jesus? Because the religious elite couldn't stand them. So why were these people so drawn to Jesus? Here's what I'm going to suggest. Because they didn't feel condemned by Jesus. They did not feel condemned by Jesus. Why is that? Because Jesus didn't come to condemn them. You know why? Because they were already condemned. Just like you and I, in our sin, we are condemned. But when we accepted Christ, he now covers us. Our sin is condemnable, but we're not. So the lost, hurting, broken people knew that they needed something different. That's why God didn't send a condemner. He sent a savior because that's what we desperately needed. And it set us free. It's why Jesus came. But there's another incredible part that we often miss. See, when Jesus came to the earth, he didn't just save us from our sins. That's a, that's a part of it. That's awesome. But there's more that, for why Jesus came. Notice, you won't find that Jesus said uh, that I, I have come so that you may have heaven. There's a part of eternal life. In John 10.10, 10, he says, I have come so that you may have life and life to its fullest. Right? He says that he will give us life and life to its full. The new system that we live in because of Jesus gives you the opportunity to experience life and meaning to its fullest as Jesus lives through you. We're going to look at this in a little bit. Verse, verse, uh, let's keep going. Verse 3. He says, for what the law, in other words, what the obeying the law, the rules, doing it right, for, for what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by our sin nature, God did. In other words, what the law of, in other words, he's saying, our sin nature so affected my ability 
to be able to do all the law keeping to be in right standing with God. So because we could never do it because of our sin nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned not man. He condemned sin in sinful man. In order, this is why, in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us. I went into detail on this last week, so please go back. But he says, who do not live, who do not live, and that Greek word for live uh, is literally translated walk, so it's a better translation, to not walk according to the sinful nature, that Greek word there is for flesh, so do, do not walk according to the flesh, do not walk according to the, you know, uh, the sin nature, but according to the Spirit. Paul is saying that those who have accepted Jesus as the payment for our sins are now seen by God as perfectly righteous. I just want, you need to understand this. When you accepted Christ, let me step back. Before you accepted Christ, your sin condemns you. But when you accept the Christ, now God views you through the lens of the cross, through the, through the lens of what Jesus has done. He views you through the Son, and now you are declared perfectly righteous. You're like, well, then he doesn't know my life. And God goes, I absolutely know your life. You couldn't do it. I'm declaring you righteous, not because of you, but because of my Son. Like, who wouldn't want that? Right? And so Paul is helping us understand that the way that we experience the power over sin is not by walking according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And what Paul, I believe, is really getting at here is the Christian life is not about keeping the rules. The Christian life is not about doing all the right things. The Christian life is not about not having sex before marriage. The Christian life is not about having a consistent quiet time. The, the, the Christian life is not about you trying to be really, 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 really good. Paul is saying that that whole approach of you being very, really, really good is very religious. And on the outside, just like the Pharisees, on the outside it looks really good. And you might be able to sustain it for a little bit of time, but this is not what the Christian life is all about. It's actually what walking in the flesh looks like. But we, we, we doll it all up and put it all kinds of nice things on it, and it's religion. And Paul is trying to see that Jesus came to abolish it. So let me, let me give you a little bit of a kind of a two-part definition to what walking in the flesh or walking in uh, living in the sin nature looks like. He says, it, it, this is, these are my words. I'm just trying to give you language for how to maybe define some of this. And again, we'll look at Galatians 5 in future weeks that talks more about this. But here's, what, here's, here's how I define it. Trusting in my strength and my determination to bring about whatever changes need to take place. Walking in the flesh. It's trusting in my strength and determination to bring about whatever changes need 
to take place. And so all of a sudden, you, you know, whether it's from a message or from a book or whatever it is, and you're like, Lord, I am so convicted. I am so convicted that I need to be a better husband or a better wife or a better parent or a better child or student or I, I, I need to be a better boss or I need to be a better employee or I, you know, whatever it is. And so then here's what we do. I, because I'm so convicted, God, I'm going to dot, dot, dot. Like I'm going, like, Lord, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust in my own strength. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this for you, God. I'm telling you. I'm super committed. I've rededicated the last six rededications. Like, like I'm all in. And again, we're so sincere. And we mean well. But you will never be able to do it perfectly in your own strength and power. Listen to me. You can't live the Christian life. Just track with me. You cannot live the Christian life. Let me give you a second part of this definition of what walking in the flesh looks like. It's retaining control of my life because I'm in charge. And it's giving primary consideration, this is huge, to my needs, my desires, my appetites, my fears when making decisions. And do you know what the Bible says to that approach to life? Whether you're a Christian or not a Christian. He says that approach to life, walking in the flesh, you focusing on you and doing what appeases you will always lead to the same place every single time. And it's not life to its fullest. Look where it leads, in fact. Verse 5. He says, those who live according to the sin nature have their minds set on what the nature desires. But those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man, here's where it always leads, is, what is it? Always. Sin leads to death. Every single time. It's the cause and effect relationship because when we walk in sin, when we walk in our sin nature, it's going to lead to death. It's the cause and effect system. Think about it. When I sin, if you, excuse me, if you, if you and I sin sexually, it will lead to a death in a relationship. And again, remember, this doesn't mean that you just keel over and die. Like, we, you know, when Adam and Eve sin, God says it's going to bring, you know, death is going to, you're going to die. Well, that didn't happen right away, but, it, but sin brought death. And it's been that way ever since. When you sin morally, when you sin ethically, when you sin financially, like when you sin against even... When we walk according to the flesh, Paul's helping us understand, it will lead to death. And in your, in, in your own strength and in your own ability, here's the, here's the reality. You can't stop sinning. I can't stop sinning. 
Because my natural go-to is to walk in the flesh because the law of sin and death is still in operation, just like the law of the spirit of life is still in operation. And that's why God gave us spirit. You cannot live the Christian life. And here's why. The Christian life is Christ's life. And the only person who could ever live Christ's life is Christ. But the beautiful thing is when we accept him, he gives us his spirit called the Holy Spirit who indwells us to be able to live because he's going, Bob, you'll never be able to do it in your own ability and your own strength. I'm giving you my spirit to set you free. And when you surrender and allow me to live in you and through you, then I will live the Christian life through you. See, that's what he's come to set us free, give us full life. (laughs) You know, as... uh, I just remember coming to this place as a pastor, like I didn't learn this early on, and coming to the realization, I'm like, daggone it, man, I can't do this. Like living the Christian, like it's so hard. It's so difficult. And I'm trying, and, and just saying, so you know, I'm, I'm a super disciplined person. Uh, I love habits. I love, uh, uh, you know, accountability. I love, you know, discipline. You know, like I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do, like I, I, I'm wired that way. And so trying to then take what's helped me be successful in other areas and try to make that also with God. And, you know, I'm going to get up at this time. And before I go work out at 5 a.m., I've got to get up and have my quiet time. So that means i got to get up at 4 a.m. And i got to, you know, and I'll be all these things. Because, God, I'm going to give you the best. I'm going to give you the first. I'm going to get, right, all this stuff. And I'd be like, I'm exhausted. <laughs> like, wore out. And, like, I remember, like, literally telling God, like, God, I, I don't know if I can do this. And he's like, Finally. Like, finally, this is what I've been trying to help you understand. You can't do it. And I'm just telling you, as a person who, who's naturally just wired to be an overachiever, like my coach or my dad would say, I need you to do that. Like, I'd go over and Like, that was just my natural bent and my thinking was so performance-oriented that I naturally impose that towards God. And so when we say we want to love and live like Jesus, because our mission statement, just so you know, what we're all about here is making and sending disciples who love and live like Jesus. And we say, hey, go love and live like Jesus this week. This is not what I'm saying. Hey, go be really good this week and be nice to people. That's not what loving and living like Jesus is about. Because the reality is there is no way you're going to be able to do that in your own ability. And that's why so many people have church hurt. It's because they've interacted with other Christians. Right? People like you and people like me, and they had, you know, expectations. And, like, I thought you were going to love and live like Jesus. And I'm trying to. You're just hard, right? (laughs) But the way that we're going to love and live like Jesus is only saying, Jesus, your spirit indwells me. I need you to love and live like you through me. Like I'm purely just a shell of a person that you're going to live through so that other people get to experience you. And maybe, maybe for you, maybe you're sitting there going, Bob, I'm sorry. I'm, maybe I'm, it takes me a little longer than everybody else, but I'm still confused. Like I, I, I still don't get how to do this. So I'm going to do the best I can, and I'm going to wrap up here in a minute. I, I want you to go back. If you've accepted Christ, I want you to go back to that moment when you decided you were going to surrender your life and make the exchange at the cross. Like you're going to stop living your life and now you're going to 
receive Christ and live the life that he wants you to live. So I want you to think about that. What did you say? What did you say to him? And I'm just going to throw this out there. Possibly it was something like this. God, I know that my sin separates me from you. And there is no way, I finally realized, there is no way I can do enough good things to earn or to behave well enough or to give enough or to serve. And like, there's nothing I can do to have your right favor to go from condemned to no longer condemned. Like, I can't do it. And so today, I, I, I'm choosing to accept your grace because your grace covers my, like, I'm choosing your grace that you're going to save me, that, that you're, that you're going to do what I could never do for me. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust you, Jesus. And you accept Christ because you realize how helpless you are. You realize there is no way I desperately need you, God. And in that moment, God says, yes, I'm going to save you. You're my son or you're my daughter. I'm going to credit to your account this perfect righteous. Like there's so much, there's this inheritance of the son of God. Like there's all these wonderful things. And you're like, yes. You're like, okay, God, I got it from here. Think about it. We just revert back to our old system. And you wonder why you're so frustrated. And you wonder why you're so discouraged. Because you're like, oh, I just can't do it. And God's going, you're right. You can't. So why do you keep trying? And please don't misunderstand me. There is a, we're going to talk about obedience. We're going to talk about the thing, like how that all works within living and walking in the spirit and all that kind of stuff. So it doesn't like you're like, I guess I don't have to do anything God told me. Like he's just good, right? Like that's not what I'm saying. But when you come to the realization that I am just, this is, this is the part, that you are just as helpless to earn your way to God as to live out the Christian life. You are just as helpless to be the godly husband that I need to be for Sue. And father, I need to be my kids, and grandfather to my grandkids, and, and for Sue to be the, the godly wife that, that I desire. Like, like the, we are all helpless kids, parents, employees, son, daughter. Like, we are absolutely helpless apart from Christ to be a Christ-like husband and wife. And I'm just as helpless in my thought life. Just as helpless in the lust or the gossip or the addiction or the what, you just fill in the blank. Whatever it is, we are just as helpless and we come to the place, Jesus, I need you. Like you. Like I need you. Not you plus I'm going to be really good to earn, to gain favor. No, no. Jesus, I need you, and this is the first step, and you no longer experiencing religion, but you experiencing the freedom that the Christian life was meant to give. And so here's the bottom line. You started this race with Jesus. It's called the Christian life. It's a, it's, it's a race. We talk about it. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. You started the race by seeing yourself helpless and needing to surrender to have Jesus. And my encouragement to you this morning is the way you started the race, you need to run the race, and you need to finish the race. 
Every single day, here's going to be your response. Jesus, I can't, but you can. Lord, I'm just telling you, I, I, I know that I can't, but you can. One of the great things about being a follower of Jesus is that when you remember that Jesus, the Son of God, overcame all the struggles that we'll ever know or experience, and he gave his spirit to you, you won't be able to overcome those same struggles and sins apart from him. You desperately need him. So you're coming with a heart posture of surrender, of saying, Lord, I can't, but I know that you can. So tomorrow, here's what I want you to do. I want you to do a bunch of good stuff. I'm kidding. Here's what I want you to do. (laughs) I want you to get alone and spend some time with the Lord and say, Lord, I just want this to be a part of your prayer. Lord, you know what some of the struggles and some of the temptations and some of the things that I'm going to be up against. Like, you just tell them, like, Lord, I know, like, I know, I know what I struggle with. Like, I know what I am tempted by. And maybe there are some things that you're unaware of, and, and you just say, God, fill in, like, you help overcome those things if I'm unaware. But, Lord, we both know probably what the temptations are in front of me. And I can't habit myself enough. I can't discipline myself enough. To be honest, I might get a B plus, but we both know that's not going to cut it. Lord, I can't, but you can. And when I start to revert back or slip back into the old system of trying to do my way back into your good favor, will you please convict me and remind me that I can't, but you can? Hear me. There's a value. There's a place for spiritual disciplines and good habits and accountability partners. There, There is a place for all that. I'm not dismissing those things. But when we use those things as a way to approach God or be in relationship with God, he says, that's the old system. So the natural question, here's the natural question. So how? Like, so then how do we do this? And that's what we're going to talk about next week. It's a series. You've got to come back, right? Let me pray. Let's pray. God, thank you again for your word. Thank you so much that you, I just know for myself. I grew up in an incredibly legalistic, very religious environment. And based upon that, based upon my sports background, there's, there's just so much in me that's geared towards performing. And Lord, I think most of us in here want nothing other than to hear you say, well done, good and faithful. So like we want, and we know there's obedience attached to all that. And we, so Lord, would you help us through your word over the next number of weeks, really work that stuff out. But until we have greater clarity, God, I I ask that my prayer and every single one of my brothers and sisters in here this morning, that we would say, Lord, just every day, I can't, but you can. I'm surrendering just as much as I had to surrender literally on my face before you to receive the gift of every single day, I need to take that same helplessness to say, Lord, your spirit in me will love and live like Jesus to the people around me. God, would you help me with that? Would you do that work in me so that you can do that work through me? And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, I'm telling you, it's the greatest gift you'll ever receive. But you have to choose to humble yourself and just come. Just come to him. He paid your penalty. 
He gave you the gift of freedom from the penalty as well as the power of sin. And we would love to be able to talk to you about what this relationship with Jesus looks like. And so if you're wrestling or struggling, we'll have our prayer partners down front. We'd love to have a conversation with you. And for those of you that really want to be able to talk through some of the struggles or challenges that you're having and walking this stuff out, please let us walk beside you. God, thank you again. Let this time, let this response of worship be a reflection of our heart's intent. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.